0: On the road, it's booze, tacos, angry dwarves, strippers, waving guns, and bees, fights, cantaloupe, flights running with the runs, and blacklists, bounce checks, great a bachelorette, <laughs> drums in the front, making out for your set, and middle acts like. doing blow more, missing merch, and drive the rental car past another mega church, and juice keys, vagina fist, your cell phone is gone, one big law and order marathon.
1: The wireless? I, I even got rid of the, the new one that was this, and I'm still using one from 14 years ago. <laughs> from your Commodore 64? Well, I like hearing the. <laughs> like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean?
0: I don't use that computer much, but uh, yeah, that, that keyboard, keyboard came... with. The wireless keyboard and the wireless mouse I don't like because when the battery dies, you know, you can't do anything with it and until you get new battery. Like, this drives me nuts. Yeah. Do you have one that doesn't have a thing?
1: Uh, yeah, I have a keyboard for that. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right, let me get a sound check on you right there.
1: Okay, sound check. You sound uh, marvelous.
0: You sound awesome. Go straight in on that mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And you got a nice deep
1: voice. Nice. I like it. Nice radio voice, huh? <laughs> a voice for radio and a face for radio. Is I used yes, to say. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Road Stories podcast, everybody. I am your host Murray Valeriano, part of the All Things Comedy Network. If you haven't been to All Things Comedy, check it out. Uh, great podcasts up there. Bill Burr's, uh, Jackie Cations. You, you know, you know the drill. Uh, got a few albums that came out. You want to check those out? Uh, Jackie Cations specials on there. Brian Scalaro's albums on there. Sam Tripoli's albums on there. And a few more albums are coming out. Um, not a lot of uh, not a lot of announcements to make. So let's just. Let's just get into it, man. I'm so, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to say this, and Alan, you can chime in if you'd like. Um, So, I had a little technical difficulties on my last podcast, and some listener who I've never heard of, and I've been doing this show for a long time, and granted, I don't know all my listeners. That's, but I'm happy I return every email I get. You know, uh, uh, I take suggestions, I take compliments, I even take criticisms. But if you're going to not, Compliment this show or not say, hey, that show is really good. And the only thing you're gonna do is email me and say, dude, learn to use your fucking microphone. Uh then I'm gonna say, fuck you, don't listen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know it's that
1: kind of world. Yeah, I know. Everybody's a critic now. Welcome yeah. to Yelp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You so know, they'll put you out of business today. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So I will
0: I will listen to I will hear and I will respond to your email that says, hey, man, I don't know if you know this, but your mics were a little wonky last week. Uh, I'm like, oh, cool, I'll check it out. But if you're going to come out with an attitude...
1: Well, I, I did a podcast. Fuck you, uh, that's what I say. What was it? Mark Marin. Okay, sure. And, uh, you know, the people put comments up there. So I'm bored one day. Right. And I go on there, and the last one is, that's not true. It was a party for another comedian. <laughs> Well, my part of the story was true. Yeah. I just didn't mention the other comedian because, I, you know, I right. don't care for him anymore. <laughs> but the guy went, uh, who knows who the heck Alan Steven is? And then compared to the other comedian, right. you know... I, <laughs> the comedians got two credits. Yeah, yeah. You know, I got something that were a mile long. Right. So you know, I tempted. I, I was thinking, should I answer? And I go, no, nah, well, I give him satisfaction. Yeah, I
0: know. I was even thinking about mentioning it. But I'll tell you what. I'll tell you who my listen. I'll tell you who Alan Stephen is if you uh, don't know. And I'm very excited to have you on. And I know. I don't even know how I'm going to approach this. First of all, Alan Stevens is a great stand up. Uh, executive producer of Roseanne. Executive producer of Arliss. Uh He's on. I didn't realize you were on Rita Redner's, the, the special with Rita Redner. Oh, uh, with three David G. Three Potential Accessments yeah, 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 with David yeah. Gee and the late John Fox.
1: Who, yeah. uh, Otto and George were supposed to be on that one. Oh, you're kidding, really? With the Storm Sandy, is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah, East yeah, Coast? Hurricane Sandy on the East Coast. The night before, he had a gig, so they gave him a choice. You want to fly in now? He said, no, I'll fly in tomorrow, and right. Sandy hit, so he couldn't get out. Oh, man. And that would have been his last that special. That would have been his last so special. It was, it was Fox's last special.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was thinking that as uh, I was watching that. God bless Rita, she's a sweet lady. Yeah, she's a she's a good woman. And um, I, when I when I when uh, I came to stand up a little kind of backwards, I was... I started writing for TV before I started doing stand-up, so I kind of came into it a little backwards. So when I decided to make the conscious effort to do stand-up, I, I, I hit the comedy store, and that's you know I didn't know where else to go. Actually, I knew where else to go, but the, you know what's funny? I was about this earlier. The reason I went to the comedy store was because all the other open mics were like seven minutes, and that
1: terrified me. But seven minutes and seven days in line.
0: Yeah, exactly. But the comedy store, you could call in and do three minutes, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, I can handle three minutes." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got into the comedy. Store. And then I made a lot of lifelong friends: Bob Oshak, the late Freddie Soto, Jason Glare, all those guys. Uh, I Darren didn't know you Carter. knew
1: Freddie? I'm surprised we haven't bumped uh, before. Uh, well, well, we'll
0: get it. I'll get into that. Uh, I knew Fred Yeah, I knew Freddie back when I was doing. He was the first one to bring me up on stage, and he kind of helped me out um, through that before I got kicked out of the comedy store I was (laughs) at the funeral were you there? Uh, I went to the memorial at the store oh okay I didn't go to the actual funeral but as I was working and I worked a little bit for Mitzi and I answered phones and I drove Mitzi around a little bit (laughs) (laughs) which is a whole story within itself well I know her since
1: 74
0: I was gonna say yeah but when like, and then I guess you hadn't been doing stand up much lately. But then every once in a while you'd pop in, and everybody was like, "Alan Stevens coming, Alan Stevens coming, Alan Stevens, <laughs> coming, Alan Steven's coming, Alan Stevens coming." So you were this legend, you know,
1: before at the store.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so
1: o- outside of that, I, I can't get a cup of coffee.
0: <laughs> so then cut to, I do this, uh, and we and I talked about this last week. I do this uh, gig outside of Marie Calendar's every once in a while in town, and. I say it every time, you get, uh, you get your paycheck and a pie. So, <laughs> JRs. JRs. And so uh, I was really stoked to see that Alan Stephen was closing the show uh, last week. So I was, I was excited to finally officially meet you and,
1: and see you work. And, and then, Well, I start to do these gigs to uh, get ready to go out. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I do the Laugh Factory. I do 10, 15 minutes. Sure. So uh, a couple years ago, Fraser Smith said, want to take a run with me? I said, yeah, sure. So we did like Laughlin and some, uh-huh. somewhere else. But I hadn't done more than 15 minutes. Right. And as you can tell, I, it makes no difference anyway. I make it up.
0: Yeah. So
1: <laughs> we're sitting at a table backstage, and the guy comes over, and he says to uh, Frazier, you do a half hour. And then he walks away, and I could have sworn he said, do an hour to me. Right. I said, Frazier, did he say do an hour? Because goes, yeah, you'll have no problem. I haven't done an hour in 14 years. <laughs> A long story short, sure. about an hour and 15 minutes later, I <laughs> nice. left the stage, and the, the guy who said it said, I thought you said you could do an hour. Eh, now I can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. It's so funny how that kicks in. I remember uh, I, was, I was just had one Sunday night show, a really, really light audience, and the manager's like, You know, we'll have the middle do 15. You do like 25, a half hour. It's a really light show. I'm like, Yeah, sure. 50 minutes, an hour later, you're
1: closing it. You know, you just get into that zone, you know. And well, I wasn't sure. I actually have material that I bob and weave in between the sure. nonsense. And uh, I, I'm sitting there going, wow, where did that come from? Uh, <laughs> and uh, you met the guy, Sam. He drives me a lot.
0: Oh, Sam, who uh, just started listening to this podcast. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. drives
1: me a lot, Sam. And he's a nice fella. And uh, he'll go, is that new? That joke's older than you. you just it. It's just that I remembered it. Right. <laughs> you know I mean?
0: Well, uh, you were telling me some uh, stories back at the club about those early uh, club owners.
1: Well, first of all, how, where'd you get started? At the Comedy Store. At the store here. Out here. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Do you know who Mitchell Walters is? Mm. Mitchell was not. one of the outlaws of comedy with me. Okay. Along, you know, Sam Kennison. So uh, he got me into comedy. I hung with him. He said, you're funny. You ought to come to the store. And I believe me, I was so bad. Oh, really? So bad. But they needed bodies back then. Sure. You know, the Renaissance had not happened. Mm-hmm. So there might have been you know, 500 comics in the country, 20 that maybe worked, right. and maybe 40 that were known. And I'm including the Hacketts and the Sheckys and that. Sure. Until the strike. And then all of a sudden, there was a million of them. Right, right. And now there is a million of them. But uh, no, I started the store in 75 or Mm six, And then uh, I stayed and I started headlining in 80. Mm -hmm. I think the first place. (laughs) You ever play the comedy works in Denver? Oh, yeah, yeah. Still around. It used to be across the street Mm -hmm. and upstairs. It was a jazz club called Basin's Up. Basin's up. And they decide to do comedy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, I think, the second headliner in. First time headlining. Okay. I get off stage. Everything's great. And I go in the back, and I have a bottle of powder in the dressing room. So I throw it in my face, you know, like I'm all coked up. And the owner's <laughs> walking, and they, they're laughing. And they go, boy, they're going to love you next show. I go, how many people? He goes, oh, we don't turn the audience. That's <laughs> how new comedy was. Oh, really? And I went, well, I have one joke. <laughs> and they went just like you (laughs) and uh that's where i learned to do what i do wow i was forced to trial by fire man yeah yeah big time that was about an hour and 10 minute show and then when i got off they go i thought you had one joke
0: "Uh, me too (laughs) well now i got a few more (laughs) so
1: yeah so that was uh 80 or 81 right Mm -hmm. in there 82 i think maybe it was 80 i forget Mm -hmm. the basin's up um i've had uh Schubert on the show who ran with
0: the Outlaws for a while and I've been trying to get uh, 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 oh. The Evasive Carl Lebeau? Yeah, <laughs> but he's, he's back on the road just nonstop now, so yeah.
1: I've been trying to get him on. So how'd you get hooked up with the Outlaws? Um, when Sam came to town, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, I was a big deal at the store and he wanted me two people, Belzer and myself. Mm. So he came with a wife, a kid, Carl, who I didn't even know do, did stand up, I think Carl's brother, you know, an entourage, Mm -hmm. and he used to come at my place and sit at my feet, and then uh, he left, came back without the wife, and he started doing stand-up, and I remember he came off stage one night, and I said, you don't seem to have any fear for a guy that's new, and he said, well, I used to have to heal them, so this is a little easier, (laughs) and uh, we were on and off friends after that, because as he started to do the clubs, and Uh, I actually got him as a regular at the comedy store. Mitzi was having an altercation with a comic in the parking lot one night. I'm standing there. He goes, aren't you going to do anything? I go, I'm a regular. You go (laughs) saver. And from that point on, he was midnight every night. Right. Eventually caught on. And uh, I don't think we talked for a while. Oh, really? And, well, that happened a lot. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not a follower. Mm -hmm. And uh, then at one point, we were hanging. And he had the outlaws in Texas with Bill Hicks and a few guys. So he said he wanted to do that again. And we used to jam a lot. I played drums. He played guitar. And we said, well, whoever made it would take the band along. And that's what he did. So it was uh, Carl and myself. And then uh, we rotated a bunch of guys, Paulie Shore, Lenny Clark, Belzer, Kravitz. I might be leaving one or two out before Mm -hmm. we landed on Mitchell. And it became the three of us and Sam. Okay. And then, as we got tired of partying with Sam and exhausted, he bought in three other guys. Like Jimmy Schubert would do five minutes one night, Randy Chervitz would do five minutes another night, and uh, I think a guy named Micah Jaselka. And then when I left, I think Schubert filled in. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's how he became an outlaw.
0: What did you like? Did you like running with a crew, or did you like uh, just the solo
1: headlining? Uh I hosted that show cuz nobody else could, right? <laughs> uh it's it, there's tricks to taming 40,000 people to be quiet, man. And uh, especially when they're not there to see you. Right, I bet. So I'd have to whip them into shape. Mm-hmm. And uh it listen, it was fun in the beginning and then like anything, you know, uh, as his disease took hold, it oh, became yeah. more and more so that's why he got the other three guys. You know, we were like, Warren Allen, right, it's enough. Yeah. And uh, I would uh, stand up to him at times, and he didn't care for that. And mm-hmm. At one point, I just walked. And I remember he called me about a year later and said, hey, want to go Catalina? We're going by helicopter. I said, no. And then he called and said, hey, we're going to uh, Laughlin. I said, no. And I only feel bad because I usually drove him. Mm-hmm. He didn't trust anybody to drive. So who knows if it would have gone differently. Right. This was the fateful Laughlin trip? Yeah. And, uh, of course, the story I told on Mark Marin, I was at a hotel doing a gig. No, it was not my gig to whoever wrote that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Greg Allman I had known, and he was there, and he had gotten a room uh, like a lot of people would do and hang with us. And uh, the guy who put it on, Bob Moore, are you familiar with Bob Moore? He's yeah. The, nothing funnier than that guy. right. right. Uh, He put the show on, but this is how he brings me up. Uh, His best friend just died, because we had just gotten the word. So afterwards, Greg Oldman, uh, who always looks like he's out of it, had his guys throw everybody out of the room, you know, and he's got his head down like he's all drugged out, and he just lifts his head, and he's fine. He's just doing that because he didn't want to be bothered by the people in the room. Hmm. Once they got out, he goes, I lost my brother. I want to talk. We had a lovely talk for about an hour. He said, open the door. He put his head back down like he was out of it, and... So listen, at those stories I could go on for days. They're horrendously funny, yeah. and unbelievable, yeah. Um, there, those are road stories you'll never get. You know, everybody right. has the condo story, the sure. owner story. But uh, an example is, I wanted to see the redwoods. Okay, and we were invited by David Foster to Victoria Island in Canada. He's a big deal there, and every year he does a concert or benefit. So Sam says, yeah, all right, let's rent some Lincolns. So I think we had four of them. And we're driving, and it's nighttime, and he's pushing me. I'm pushing him off the road. Well, coming back, we realized they were cliffs, but oh, that's geez. another story. <laughs> but about 3 in the morning, he slams his car and goes sideways into the road, and he turns on his high beams. He goes, uh, there's your fucking Redwood. Get in the car. <laughs> so now we get to uh, the Canadian border, and I'd say we're 200 feet. And he pulls over. So we all pull over. I pull go, what's the matter? He goes, I have to bury my guns. Forgot I had guns. <laughs> Who forgets that? Right. So he's in the middle of the field burying his guns. Like they can't see what's going on. <laughs> so then he says, uh, would you mind driving me across, me and the girls? Which was his wife and her sister, which eventually became my wife. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And uh, every Lincoln goes. The guy looks at me and says, pull it over there. So uh, we pull over, and Sam goes, hey, where's the bathroom? guy says, over there. So I'm sitting there with the two girls. The guy says, we're going to search this car with a dog. And I said, well, I rented it in Hollywood from a rock agency. Lord knows what you're going to find in there. <laughs> he pops the trunk, pulls out a bag of pot, and he goes, seriously, just sitting on top of the suitcase? I go, it's not my car. It's the fat guy. <laughs> and he goes, where is he, by the way? And we look. And you can barely make him out because it's nighttime. He ran across the border into Canada. <laughs> I'm not making a word of this show. Oh, up. I believe you. Now they take us to a room, me and the two girls. And they come in and they go, the dogs found nothing. I go, well, then they're already high because that car's loaded with crap. <laughs> and the guy kind of laughs and I keep looking out his shades. He goes, what are you doing? I go, the fat guy can't be far. He goes, who are you people? I go, this is really going to get you. We're celebrities. <laughs> I said, especially the fat guy. And we're going to, to David Foster, and they all know it, yeah. uh, what that is. He goes, you guys are the special guests? Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't come into the country. Oh, no. And I said, well, geez, I hate to have to make a phone call to somebody. I don't even know who to call. I said, why don't you go get the fat guy? How far can he go? <laughs> right. So they leave the room, and I say to, to Malika, his girlfriend, don't say a word. I'll take it from here. So he comes back in, and I get him to laugh a few times. And He decides they're going to weigh the pot. He comes back. He says, well, it's under an ounce, so uh, you can go, but not into the country. And I go, not good enough. <laughs> so he comes back. I guess he talked to his boss, and he said, all right, but you got to pay to get the Lincoln out. I think they wanted 1000 bucks. And I oh, said, Malika. And she pulled out a roll because she used to roll Sam every night when he went to bed. Right. So he didn't know it. <laughs> but like a hundreds, like rolled up you know, thousands. Yeah, yeah. And he's, she's counting it out. He goes, who are you people? <laughs> so as we're leaving, you hear Alan Steven telephone call. And I turn to this guy and I go, I have no relatives that live at the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. Where's the nearest phone? He said, two miles in. I go, and you're not going to go get the guy. <laughs> we, You hold us, but the, you can run freely into your country. <laughs> So I drove two miles in and there, he got in the car and the girls are going, oh, Alan was great. He got us out of it. Sam said, well, I knew he could. And I popped him. Oh, really? His head hit the side of the window and we were quiet for the rest of the ride. And I believe I stayed in my room. I didn't even go downstairs. I don't even remember doing the show. I was so pissed off. Wow. But he was terrified of cops. Yeah. And I was not. Right. Because uh, I'll give you another great one. <laughs> right. uh, he had a house on a hill, and I keep looking. And I swear to God, this helicopter is looking back. So he's has a house on the hill in town here yeah. in Hollywood. Yeah. But, you know, there's always helicopters in Hollywood. Sure. I'm at my house, and I'm going, there's a helicopter. I... But you think nothing of it. Mm-hmm. We had uh, a guy from Rolling Stone who was supposed to do a story about us. Sam's on the cover. And uh, just like you see in a movie, somewhere, see, he pissed Sam off and Sam threw him out in middle mm-hmm. of Texas or something. Just like you see in a movie. And took off. Well, the guy's article came out, and after every paragraph was a devil with a pitchfork. And it was all about how we're devil worshippers. We kill cats on top of the Hyatt house roof. Really? Oh, yeah. Boy, did our crowd lines change after this. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Rolling Stone? Yeah. Okay. And... Uh, So Sam sends the guy gerbils because he was gay. (laughs) Not the brightest move. Next thing I know, we're doing our first big concert in an arena Mm -hmm. in Ohio. And I say to everybody, and everybody agrees, let's get rid of the blow, the pot. We take limos, and a truck's got to follow us, I think, because we had the band at that point. Mm -hmm. And we go to LAX. I step out of the limo and a cop grabs me. He goes, You want to stand over there? You're blocking our investigation. I go, Let me get out of your way. He goes, No, no, don't go too far. You're the investigation. <laughs> oh. It's three agencies. I think it was the Malibu sheriffs because Sam lived out there, maybe the West Hollywood sheriffs. Uh-huh. I forget. L.A. Anyway, as each limo pulls up, they take us out, line us up. Now they line up the suitcases, and they bring out the dog. Well, I was even heavier than, mm-hmm. and under here, under the gut, I had an ounce of pot. That's where I always carry it. So they go down the line, and they get to my suitcase, and the dog goes crazy. And he goes, there was something in here. Like, yeah, but that doesn't count. Maybe your dog's high. <laughs> right. You know, just because something was in there. They go two suitcases over, open Sam's, there's a bag of pot. And Sam immediately goes, it's my brother's. Well, his brother has, was still preaching then. Okay. He's in a three-piece suit. Is he with you? And he's skinny, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's skinny. He's the road manager. He's right. skinny as can be. So they hold up these fat pants, and he goes, I gave him my laundry to do, didn't I, Bill? <laughs> I think he bought him a car for taking the fall, but Bill had to go to a, a drug course. Oh, right. And they say, stand up, say what you did. He goes, well, and he's trying to explain. He goes, you want to repeat this course? He says, fine, I'm all cooked up. <laughs> so, uh... We make a big enough stink, and they move us to another part of the airport, and I say to this cop, hey, if I had a bag of pot right here, it's the same fine if you uh, search me and find it, right? He goes, yeah. I go, well, you don't want to look there. you (laughs) comics. Anyway, we wind up signing autographs, missing the flight. We get back to Sam's house, and he goes, boy, I wish I had some of that pot, and I pull it out. And he's just goes, how can you do that? (laughs) So now (laughs) we fly the next day to the arena. And we each have an off-duty cop at the door, and I carry a gun and a leather bag mm-hmm. and a lot of jewelry. And Sam says, hey, would you hold my blow, and I have my pot, and I put it in a little leather bag, and I hand it to the cop. He says, yeah, hey, hold this while I'm on stage. <laughs> so afterwards, we're in Sam's room, and he says, hey, I'd like my blow. And I go, officer? And he hands me the bag, and Sam goes, what's your problem? I go, listen, it's the safest place here. If he looks in there, it's an illegal search and seizure. So... Oh, look at that. So, oh, I know all the rules.
0: <laughs> that's pretty I smart. I know all the rules. And I'm very
1: respectful of the police. I used to do the police Olympics for sure. them. But uh, let's face the facts. <laughs> I mean, at one point, I'm not going to say which division of the police used to bring his blow. Oh, right. So back in the day. Sure. If cops so. have the best drugs. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a million of those Sam stories.
0: Did Sam ever take the fall? Or would he always pawn it off on somebody? pawn it off well you know he 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 pawned off oh okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah terribly afraid of the cops yeah uh i remember one time he was with cc C. deville and his vet which From is x rev which is tried it's hard to miss wait say that again his, he's with cc
0: C. deville his
1: vet okay they were in it and the plates say x rev oh right <laughs> but i think they smashed it on the way up to his house all messed up and they just got out and said hey we better get out of here right And then he just, I think when they came, said, oh, somebody stole that car. (laughs) So. (laughs) That was great. And then we, you know, he hooked up with the Rockers because he was managed by a rock agency. Sure. Uh, we were very rock and roll, and mm-hmm. when we had Wild Thing out, it became the end thing to join us on stage. Oh, that's right. So Grace Slick, Paul Cantor, Billy Idol, Jeffrey Osborne, an eclectic group of musicians. Wow. When we went to Vegas, we'd have to get 10 extra rooms. We'd put them up, and they'd join us on stage just for the stupid song. Just for the one song at the bon end? Bon Jovi had us do 80,000 people when they played Giant Stadium. They closed it with Wild Thing. What year was that? Oh,
0: 87 or 8. I can tell you uh, my girlfriend was at that show, because <laughs> I grew up in Jersey.
1: Me too. Oh, where at? Yeah, I'm South Jersey. I think. We oh, yeah, we did talk, talk about this, uh, this yeah, last week. In Four Hes. So yeah, we yeah. ran with Bon Jovi for a while. You know, we did a lot of Stern in those days. Sure. And uh, But the Kittison stories I can go on and on mm. with. The horrible road stories, Which when is... you're just a regular comic... I only played a handful of clubs, mm-hmm. and what they would do, like rascals, I could call them up and they'd cancel somebody out to bring me in. Sure. Uh, but these clubs normally would work you once, twice a year, I'd do them five, six times. Mm-hmm. So I only worked a handful. So I had an attitude uh, of not kissing ass. Yeah. So uh, if they got on my nerves, I just don't have me back. So I'm in I'm Amarillo, Texas. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it snowed there. I I thought Texas was like here. I didn't know it
0: snowed there either. You learned something on the Road Stories podcast. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So the the guy running it, his father has like five nightclubs. You know, He gave us, go open a comedy club, be a good boy. Well, the guy's an idiot. (laughs) The first night, I think it was a Wednesday night, I get off stage at 1130, and he actually comes up to me. By the way, nobody left. And he comes up to me and goes, I close at 11. And I go, let me get you straight. You don't want to make any more money after 11? Right. And he actually says, yeah. Really? I got some business plan you got there. So already we're not off to the good. And I think Ron Shock might have been on the show, somebody else. Oh, the late Ron Shock, right? Yeah. And uh, so we're staying in this condo, and I'm going to turn on the heat. No heat. So I say the guy the next day, there's no heat. I'll, I'll get to it. Say the guy the next day, there's no heat. Ah, I'll get to it. So they have rented furniture. So I go up in the air, come down on that coffee table, and throw it into the fireplace. (laughs) And shocks, you know, he's going, oh, you know, we could get in trouble. I'll take all the blame. What do Mm -hmm. I care? With that, he knocks on the door to fix the heater. (laughs) And as he's looking around, he goes, where's my table? I go, listen, we're comics, not prisoners. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there'd be no cable, no phone. Why? I'd have it all turned on in the name of the club. (laughs) I didn't care. So now it comes, uh, I think, Friday, and I'd float my girlfriend in. And uh, I go into his office, and he's in this other room that I go into, and there's a wall of VHS machines. I go, what are you doing? He goes, I record every comedian. I said, for what? He said, well, I make tapes for my friends. I go, well, you know, that's our livelihood and illegal to do without permission. Yeah, it's totally illegal. He goes, so what? I go, well, here's the deal. I don't go on until they all go off, and my girlfriend's going to stand here. He goes, well, screw you. And with that, they introduce me. And you know, people don't know your act. Right. So I just sit on the stool, drinking my Jack and Coke, And they start to laugh, thinking, oh, this thing is, he's going to eventually say something funny. Mm -hmm. About five minutes go by, and I hear my girlfriend yell, it's off. And I go, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And then I think Saturday night, the guy just hates me by Sure, sure. And Saturday night, he says to me, the mayor's here. Don't do that heckling thing you do. You know, I talk to the audience. The but, heckling thing? Yeah. Some club owners call it heckling the audience. Oh, heckling the Okay. Yeah. It's my
0: act. Right, right. I was going to say. So
1: I went out and I just went and started sniffing. And I said, anybody stepping mayor? I'm smelling mayor. Look at the bottom <laughs> of his shoes. Anybody got mayor on the bottom of Mayor, 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 mayor. The whole show's mayor. Right. I come off. The guy literally slams me against his wall and says, we're big in this town. And you've just embarrassed us, my family. Knock at the door. It's the mayor. Hey, are you free for a barbecue tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to come. Why don't you bring the other comics? And he leaves and he says, hey, you're taking me, right? I go, no, nah, I wouldn't want to ruin things for you in this town, you moron. Yeah, right. And he says, well, I'm never having you back again. And I go, and this is another time Sam and I fought. I go, who's here next? He said, Paul Mooney. I said, treat him like you treated me. Who's <laughs> after him? He said, Sam Kennison. I go, treat him like he treated me. Well, he fired Sam the second night. Oh, really? And said, Alan Stevens said you'd be a problem. Oh. So I get this call. Come up to the Comedy Store. I'm going to beat your ass. I go, I'll be right there. Yeah, yeah. So I come up. He's on the sidewalk. He's getting ready to make his move. I go, hey, you want to hear what happened first? All right. So I tell him what happened. He goes, well, now I want to kill that guy. I go, That's what I figured. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I had nothing to do with you being fired. But he he uh, hit everybody but me. Oh, so He Sam? had a thing with me, yeah. Yeah. He had a thing with me. He tried one night, and I just said, you know, he raised his hand. I said, you don't want to make that mistake. I yeah. said, I'll shoot you in your fucking sleep. Yeah. And uh, I think he slapped everybody, male and female, with me. <laughs> so here's kind of a personal question. Um, I'm six four. No,
0: <laughs> are you six four? No, I was going to say not even close. I'm six and <laughs> <laughs> six one if I don't slouch. Um, so uh, listen, uh, there's a lot of drugs and alcohol going on when you're coming up. And
1: um, did you get wrapped up in it? Did you? I mean, well, you know, it was a different time. Yeah. First off, when cocaine and this is not comes a judge, out, this is not a judgmental no, question co- at all. No, but when cocaine comes out, and I'll tell you a lovely story because I was new to it, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <clears throat> A friend of mine was being managed at the time by Jeff Wald, mm-hmm. who was a huge manager then and married to Helen Reddy. Can't get any straighter than her. <laughs> right, exactly. So there's a movie he's screening, you know, these celebrity screen movies at their house, and it was about, Alan King was in it, it was about a horrible man. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Wald says it's based on him. He's bragging that he's a shit. Oh, nice. <laughs> and he wants nothing to do with me because I'm not his client. So as he shows us around the house, he's got like an odd job character mm-hmm. that protects oh, yeah. his building, you know, like that guy 007 from odd job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he walks by, he goes, this is my client, shoot him if you see him again. You know, that kind of humor. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, everybody leaves. It's my friend, myself, Helen. So we go into the office where the gold records are. Record comes off the wall and he starts doing lines. Mm-hmm. Like, Helen, ready? <laughs> I mean, this is how, uh, how Hollywood was. They didn't know it was a dangerous drug yet, but the great part of that story is they start arguing. Helen Reddy and Jeff. what's his name? Jeff Wall. Jeff Wall. Yeah. And uh, Jeff looks at me and he goes, I fired the maid and she's pissed off. See, two years ago already. <laughs> and uh, the story is uh, they're laying in bed after he fires her. A couple months later, the maid's actually a contestant on a game show. The question is, who sang I Am Woman? <laughs> And she gets it wrong, and he turns to Helen, and he goes, I told you she never fucking dusted. (laughs) So that was the gist of that fight. And then he's telling me, he's the governor now, Uh how Governor Brown was locked in his bathroom all screwed up and had to break down the door. Because back then, I think Brown was dated Linda Ronstadt. Right, he was a rock and roll mayor, right? Yeah, yeah. But times were different. We're governor. Uh, You know, it was a different time. So wherever you went, no matter where it was in show business, Mm -hmm. it was like uh, barbecue, booze. Oh, there's the blow. There's Mm -hmm. the pot. So you really couldn't help but get caught up in it. A lot of my friends rehabbed. Mm I personally put some in. I uh Did you say you personally put
0: some in? Oh yeah. A you lot. drove them there? Yeah. One yeah. five
1: times till it took we're oh. still good friends today and he always credits me with it. That's good. Uh, another one well that's a funny story in itself. We uh first I took him to the county hospital it was Halloween mm-hmm. and everybody has a mask on, which is it's quite unsettling. Yeah. <laughs> so I say to Daffy Duck, checking him in. Right. and Daffy Duck hands him a board with papers on it. And he gets the last question, he starts tearing up, he goes, I can't stay here. And it says, if they act up, they can give you lobotomy. Oh. So I go over to uh, Popeye, <laughs> and I say, listen, uh, what do you consider acting up? And Popeye says, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I go, listen, we're comics. Yeah. Uh, I myself have been in a hospital situation where they thought I was delirious, and I'm making jokes. Mm-hmm. So I said, come on, get in the car, you're not staying here. But the last one, we tricked the guy. Did you know who Ollie Joe Prater is? Yeah, yeah, sure. Ollie Ollie Joe Joe looked like Yosemite Sam. Yeah. Well, Ollie and I trick him and we party for two days. Mm -hmm. I go, let's go to Palm Springs. So as we're getting close, he realizes he's been railroaded and he says, could you just stop at 7-Eleven let me have a few more beers? Okay. So this particular comic wears a white suit and can wear it for seven months, spotless. Mm -hmm. I put on a white shirt. Before I leave the house, I got to (laughs) change. Yeah. So you know what Ollie looks like. Yeah, yeah. He's well, a big unshaven, I don't look much better. Okay. And I had hair down on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Or, we, we're just a mess. So I said, all right, we'll go in and check you in. So Ollie and I are at the counter. Betty Ford, the lady, comes out and goes, two? <laughs> and Ollie looks at me like, what the hell is she talking about? I go, no, no, it's my friend. And as we turn, he comes around the corner straightening his tie. He looks like a Kennedy. Right. The is not even wrinkled. She goes, him? <laughs> But that's the one that took, and yeah. uh, I think that was 20 years ago, God bless him. Yeah, that's great. But uh, did I do it? Yes. But I was a little smarter. Well, that's, that was my question, because you didn't... Well, Mark Marin said something that surprised me, because uh-huh. there's nobody that really knows this. He said, I heard you had three different kinds. Three different kinds? Uh-huh. One was vitamins. Uh-huh. So sometimes when everybody's doing blow, I'm doing a esetol. Okay. Sam used to go, how can you go to sleep? Sometimes it was a mixture, mm-hmm. and sometimes it was a little more of less of a mixture. Mm-hmm. But uh, somebody taught me how to make rock. Oh, really? Yeah. So I would you know make my own, and go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah Howard knows the Colombians. It's right, right. just me." <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I would. Uh, I had degrees of what I would do, and went to. But mm-hmm. you know, somebody had to get up and make sound check. Sure. But uh, yeah, we rock and rolled. Yeah, yeah. But I was certainly not on his level. Never did AA. Right. I don't keep liquor in the house. Sure. Know. But uh, I'm sure you can bump into a hundred other people that swear they wonder why I'm alive. Right. They well, don't know the tricks that I know. Yeah. Sure.
0: Well, that's how you know. There's a little bit of the uh, little bit of the fake. Uh, well, I am
1: a pot smoker. Always was. Sure. I remember Mitzi Short once said to me, "Why don't you go out back and smoke your personality?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish I knew Mitzi back in the 70s, man. In the 70s, she was a very scene. cool lady. And of course, Mitzi Shore is the owner of
1: the comedy store. Yeah, yeah and there was no money. Yeah. The original room was half its size. She had a desk at the bottom of the stairs. All she had was the door. Oh, really? The main room was a Mexican disco run by Art LeBeau. Upstairs hadn't been used since the Art 60s. Art wow. Yeah, DJ. Yeah, yeah. And upstairs hadn't been used since the 60s, and she lived in the Dorothy L'Amour mansion with a big mortgage and drove a Pinto. And Sammy <laughs> thought he got over on her because the judge said, alimony or the business? Well, he gave her the business. Wasn't making a dime. <laughs> Only he gave it maybe a couple of years, a little ahead of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. said yeah. it broke like all hell few sure. years later. But she was a lot of fun. Uh, it was like everybody was equal. Mm-hmm. Leno, Letterman, they all heckled, We all heckled each other. Sure. Uh, uh, Jimmy Schubert one time rode his motorcycle and take Sam off the stage. <laughs> Another time uh, in the early days, and Westwood, because that one took off first. Jimmy Walker was on stage, and mm-hmm. Jay Leno rode rode his motorcycle right up to the stage. He had a waitress pad, and he said, uh, "Comedy police, that last joke." <laughs> ticketed, ticketed them for it it was a lot of fun and then as people started to go uh-huh. it became like high school where there was freshmen juniors senior and then it just became uh too big yeah and then once the club started uh just like mtv screwed music mm-hmm. comedy central screw comedy <laughs> yeah well, I agree. You know, in my day you didn't go to school and go well, i'm going to be a comedian you either were or you weren't. Yeah. You were born for it. <laughs> now, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many guys remember a 100 years ago was in Illinois. Kipadada. Yeah. And he tells me a story which is rare because he's a miserable human being.
0: And uh, I was going to say, I just friended yeah. him on Facebook, and he
1: seems a little a miserable he seems a little being. upset. And, uh, and you're getting a mellow one. <laughs> but he says to me he's at a gas station. The guy's pumping his gas, and he gets recognized. He said, aren't you Kip that? He goes, well, yes, I am. He goes, hey, I'm a comic to him at the bowling alley tonight if you'd like to come see me. <laughs> so that's where this business is.
0: Sure. You know. Oh, yeah. You're a comic, so is my mailman. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. But in my day, everybody you saw was funny. Mm-hmm. You didn't go in and see 15 comics and go, well, that one guy was funny, or those really? two guys are funny. Well, the lineup is Leno, Letterman. No, nobody's famous. Sure. Leno, Letterman, Elaine Boosler, Andy Kaufman, Robin Williams, uh, Billy Crystal, uh, Rodney, yeah. uh, Pryor. And, and listen comedy is a lot of tricks sure and what used to happen in the old days prior would go on for an hour and nobody would want to follow him so if he got off at 10 my spot wasn't till 12 everybody cancel him and he go, go go now and he doesn't care and it's not that they didn't care i learned the trick of how to dismiss it and continue mm-hmm. uh and that's how i really learned to become uh, good at comedy now now my god you get one laugh following some of these people and they think you're great yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it's just a different business. So, how are you uh, eking out a living before they
0: started paying? Were their day jobs? I
1: because uh, the I, store didn't pay for a while, right? The store didn't pay at all, I and mean, we'll talk about the strike in the a little strike, bit. But uh, I was Jersey unemployment. Mm-hmm. I worked for them. Mitchell was a, Mitchell <laughs> was a card mechanic. Oh, okay. So when I lived with Mitchell, he'd take my check, come back with a few grand, and we wouldn't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, for a little while. Uh, I forget, I might have Oh, I drove a cab when I first came out But that was for like I a week you, Okay, It was the worst job I've ever had Oh, really? Yeah, and back then they didn't have the, the partition right. And you could drive right to the airport Now they put you in a holding pen Yeah. So the guy would want to fight you from another cab company for, And I did not know the highway So if you got in my cab, i go, if you don't know where you're going, get out <laughs> So you can imagine how much money right. I was making Yeah, exactly The only good story is I took Tom Waits home Oh, very cool And we're driving down Sweetser in Hollywood And he's drunk as a skunk. Sure. He says, stop. Go up to that building, see if my name's on the mailbox. Come back. No. Go to the next one. Stop. Go to the next one. Stop. He gets to like the middle of the block. I go, your name's on there. He goes, thank you. But, uh, and then I remember I had one more job where I was like making sandwiches for office buildings, Mm -hmm. 4,000 hams, 4,000, real exciting. Yeah. And uh, Argus Hamilton got word of it. He went to Mitzi and she said, well, I'm sending you to La Jolla. And oh, so then, the La Jolla store was there yeah. at that time. Okay. And I was still, I think, the longest com- the pl- comic that played it the longest. I mm-hmm. might have been there for seven months, but the deal was I had to take Pauly Shore, who was 12 right, <laughs> uh, or 11. Yeah. And then uh, from that, I managed the Westwood Comedy Store. Oh, okay. And I only worked for her. Mm-hmm. But the first time I needed money... Uh, You know, the mansion wasn't paid off yet. Mm -hmm. She still had a big mortgage. Is
0: it still the same one up uh, above Gil Turner's? They
1: they pulled her out of there and sold it, yeah. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I've been out of uh, touch with the store for a while. They shouldn't have done that. Anyway, that was the old Dorothy Lamar house. Oh, very cool. And she decided she wants lights around. it. She goes, wasn't your father in construction? I went, yeah. I'll give you 500 to put up lights. (laughs) Well, I don't know anything about lights. right? So I go to some... Electrician on Fairfax, they go, You got wire that won't rot underground? <laughs> yeah, here, give me some lights. <laughs> well, I get it, it looks terrific. I just can't turn it on. <laughs> so I take a big drill and drill right through her living room wall and just plug it in. And I don't seal up the hole. I don't know anything. Yeah. But two months later, I'm sitting next to her in the booth and she elbows me. She goes, I had a real electrician. He said, You could have burnt down my house. <laughs> and I go, Well, honey, you get what you pay for. <laughs> Um,
0: we'll talk about why she pull, got pulled off the mansion off Mike. That's interesting. Uh, like I said, I've been out of touch with the store for a while. So tell me a bit about the strike. You were around for the strike, right? And yeah, and um, just tell. I was list. actually
1: instrumental
0: in that. Uh, I know that. Don't think I didn't do my uh-huh. homework. <laughs> I had to, the only person I've ever had on who was around during the strike was Tom Dreisaitl. Well, we were opposite sides. Yeah, I know. So. Again, I do my homework,
1: <laughs> <laughs> big time. Opposite sides, yes, exactly. I don't think we started really, actually having normal conversations until about ten years ago. Really, it lasted that long. Well, we'd say hi, sure, but I'd say for a good fifteen, eighteen years. Wow! Walk out of the room, either one of us.
0: Wow! So, tell us about uh, how did this strike start? I would just give a little.
1: Well, she. Mitzi. Leased. Mitzi. Yeah, the original room. Okay. Art LeBeau, she leased it from. Mm-hmm. But Art LeBeau had a lease. So at some point she has enough money, she gets the, the, buys it and throws Art LeBeau out. Well, Art LeBeau has a lease she has to honor. Mm-hmm. So he throws her out. <laughs> so for about six, seven months, the comedy store is called The Funny Farm. Oh, of course, really? Yeah, and of course he couldn't get any comics. Right. And then when his lease was up, she went in and became the comedy store. So she eventually cleans up upstairs and makes it offices and decides that uh, the main room is going to be for the Buddy Hackett's, the Shecky Green's, the Jackie Mason's. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is Vegas is an hour away. Well, if you're not giving them 100000 why would they come? Sure. So she had, was well-intended. But we wind up with, like, Tiny Tim, who Mm -hmm. still owes me $5, by the way. (laughs) Mr. Allen, I need it for the cab, Mr. Allen. And uh, um, so she takes what I would say 17 uh, people that were the only ones that could headline Mm -hmm. at that point and puts them in the main room. Well, it did well. Well, They said, well, we ought to get paid if we're in there. Sure. So who are these 12? You... Not me. Oh, not you. Oh no, I'm a real nobody at this point. Oh, okay. I'm not even funny. So this is early on. This is I, I'm 70... not seventy-seven. Oh, okay. I'm not even funny.
0: All
1: right. I'm Seventy-eight, right in there. <laughs> this is Leno Driesen, Mm-hmm. Steve Landisberg, who had nothing uh, to do with the strike because that was her boyfriend. Oh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, the love of her life. Um, and a really nice guy. I like. I've always been a fan of his. Elaine Boozler. Mm-hmm. Letterman. That group. Okay. Oops, excuse me. What the me. hell is That's that? That's my lovely phone. And, um, Jesus. But there were 17 of okay. them. Okay. So they went turn and said, we want to be paid. She mm-hmm. said, go to hell. So now they proceed to try to organize all the comics. Mm-hmm. So I think Elaine Boozler came and asked me, you know, you're like, you know, you're the leader of the nobodies. Can you help <laughs> us? So uh, we started doing meetings. And it all made sense because there was a place called The Left stop, mm-hmm. I think. And there was two or three of those. There was Bud and her. Mm-hmm. Bud had the improv on And El the Rose. country was just, maybe they hadn't opened the clubs yet, mm-hmm. or had. And they felt it would help set a precedent to be on the road. And I said, as long as we're getting everybody, I'm in. Mm-hmm. Well, Bud, first thing he does is, well, you can have your meetings in my place, and whatever she does, I'll do. You know, kiss ass. Sure. And he's never honored it. He He's act- never honored having the meetings? Doing what he said he would do. Oh, okay. I think at the time she paid $25 during the week after the strike. Mm-hmm. Well, he paid 17 and took out taxes. We're independent contractors. <laughs> so if everybody wanted to get together over the last 30 years and sue the improv, they could. Right. We're independent contractors. Yes. If, if I slip and fall at the improv, they're not going to cover me. Right. Well, why are you taking money out of my check then? But I shouldn't say my check because I've never played there. <laughs> so... Um, and then the laugh stop guy they were kind of friendly with, and I just remember one meeting where Gallagher said, let's get the cunt, and that was it for me. Oh, really? Gallagher? Yeah. yeah. Gallagher's out of his gourd. Yeah, 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 was. But I thought Gallagher had it. And then a I was there. thrown out of a meeting at the improv because Tom Treason said, I asked a question, and he said, if you don't go along with us, you're not with us. And I said, you know, I'm a Jew, and that's pretty much how they got us on the train. Right. I said so. I I, I asked questions before I board the train. Sure. And I thought I was funny. They threw me out. Then I think Marty Cohen came after me, and then Biff Maynard. I go, Biff, you're not even a Jew. He goes, Ah, you guys made me crazy. <laughs> and uh, they tried to settle it many times. The owner of APA stepped in. Jimmy Walker, mm-hmm. uh, Pryor, wasn't happening.
0: So nobody was working any club at that time during the strike. Every club, but hers. They Every were club striking but hers. out front. Okay. And you guys are
1: picketing, right? Yes. Well, they were. Well, I, I hadn't done anything yet, but they had start started to pick it, okay. and it got ugly, mm-hmm. and it, they were so clever about it. It was on the news every night. No no bucks, no yucks. Oh. Uh, a lot of thought went into that one.
0: Somebody got in the Writer's Guild on that one. <laughs>
1: and, uh, you know, and things started to happen. There was a comic named Steve Lebedkin mm-hmm. who jumped off oh, the, the roof of the guy? Hyatt house and didn't make it into the store parking lot, but he left behind a letter saying, you know, he's... He didn't think he'd ever work again because of Mitzi Shore. What happened is he was booked in La Jolla. She looks out the window, and he's picketing. So she said, you're not going to La Jolla. So they put a dummy in her office that said, you killed Steve LeBeckin. They broke into her office, and she was pretty upset. Wow. And I'm here to tell you, Steve LeBeckin had talked about killing himself for years. Yeah. So he just found a cause. Yeah. In case anybody doesn't know the real story there. Mm -hmm. I believe I, for some reason, I think I was in his apartment afterwards and there was a shoebox full of, you know, dear mom and dad. Right. So I didn't
0: realize they went that far with Mitzi. I didn't know she he blamed it on Mitzi. I,
1: everything's blamed on Mitzi. Yeah. So at one point, and I don't know, this is my version. Sure. After a lot of negotiations, I remember being in a booth with Marsha Warfield, who knew uh, Dreesen mm-hmm. from Chicago he came down and said, well, it's settled. We're getting paid. Marcia went, how much are we getting? He goes, well, you guys aren't. you got to play the main room to get paid. And she said, but you used all of us. When I say all of us, there might have been 50. Right. But because it was on the paper and TV, like all of a sudden, there's 500 people. Yeah. So uh, he marched upstairs and started the strike. And uh, here's where they also lost me. Mm-hmm. They were going to form a union. Well, in this town, if you align yourself with the union, all the other unions have to pretend they go along with it. Right. Well, they aligned themselves with a union called AGVA, which was circus clowns. I was going to say, I'm a union yeah. in a couple circus of unions, but clowns, I've never heard of Circus maybe, you know, and <laughs> right. you know, sword fighters. Sure. And they were uh, under investigation and folding. But they aligned themselves with them. So right. all of a sudden, SAG, and after got to go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. well, we're going to pull cards if you cross that line. Well, I'm in SAG since I'm 11. Mm-hmm. So I go to SAG, and uh, I think it was a vice president. He goes, coming, in, he shuts the door. He goes, what's with you fucking asshole comics? I said, what? He goes, Agva, we want them gone. Yeah. He said, but I can't say that, you shitheads. I go, are you going to pull cards? He goes, we just want you to go away. Nobody even cares about you people. And that's the day I crossed the picket line with everybody. I said, they ain't pulling cards. Right. And uh, I remember it got ugly. Leno told him, he's not funny. And Leno was right. Mm-hmm. But about four or five years later, Leno bumps into me and he goes, Damn, you're funny as hell. I thought you'd never be funny. And mm-hmm. I go, Well, thank you. He goes, Scab. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of bad blood. And what yeah. they don't know is their dear friend, George Miller.
0: The, uh, uh, redheaded George Miller? The one that passed the away. The one who died, Letterman's good buddy? Yes. Yeah.
1: And especially Letterman's good buddy. Well, he would come to my house to party mm-hmm. and then deny he was there. You know, oh, really? He, went, he said, I'm not telling them. And the funniest thing is I'd walk by them. Nobody would say a word. and George would go, fucking scab. Huh. And I'd laugh so hard because I know he knows it's all bullshit, but right. I don't think they know to this day. Oh, really? Yeah. That he, uh, he remained friends with me.
0: And so, and so he was just yelling fucking scab as a joke to you? and Well, he was in front and, of them, and, and so and to gotta show a, he
1: gotta, yeah, You got to act like, yeah,
0: I'm one of the boys. So he wasn't necessarily being two-faced. He was yeah. still your friend. Well, he was probably a drug
1: buddy. Oh, okay. I'm that sure was. he could care less about my company. We've all had those. And uh, I mean, there's a lot that went down, but what really got to me is they, uh, Tom Dreesen decided he was president. He, he was president. And of the, Joanne yeah. Astro was vice president. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want them saying how much I can make on the road. Right. Because, number one, they don't like me. <laughs> so I already know where this game's going. And what happened to voting? Yeah. And that was really upsetting. But I remember Dreesen, you know, everybody has an ego. Went on Dinah Shore and said he was the godfather of comedy. Dreesen said that? Yeah. And I remember turning to the comic and going, did Bob Hope but die? Yeah. That's a long way to call yourself that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of still uncomfortableness and bad blood. Should there have been a union? and in, in, in hindsight, maybe. Maybe it would have kept the uh, probably a 1,000 people that shouldn't be comics out.
0: Yeah, if there's uh, anything. Maybe
1: there'd be health insurance. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, not with the people that were doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And uh, uh, so there was a lot of bad blood towards me for a long, long time. Because mm-hmm. I was also very vocal. Mm-hmm. I mean, other guys walked the line, but uh, they weren't. You know, they still remained friends with a lot of these people. And then there was a bunch of cats that just hid. Oh, really? So they didn't have to be involved. So they didn't have to take a side. They yeah, just like Shandling. You could never find Seinfeld, right these kind of people. Yeah, you know uh, the wishy washers. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if we... I, first of all, I think it's next to impossible
1: to unionize comics. Thank you. I do too. Um, it's such a personal, independent thing. Yeah. But to say you deserve $100 and I deserve $1,000, you know, it's, it's in the eye of the beholder. You know, there used to be a guy named John Fox. I'm sure he's still around that booked San Francisco. Oh, that John Fox. Well, the, he hated my John guts Fox, along yeah. with everybody else. You know, you either love me or hate me. Sure. And a friend of his liked me. So he would book me through John. John wanted nothing to do mm-hmm. with me. Except John getting good reports. We want that guy back. We want that guy back. So finally, John calls me, and he did those competitions. Mm-hmm. And he says, Alan, I'd like you to do the competition. I go, well, I don't believe in competitions. Well, I think you should do it. And I go, listen, I don't think Van Gogh and Picasso had a pain off. You know what right, I mean? Right, Art is in the eye of the beholder, and I'm not going to join your little uh, show to be beaten out by a sock puppet. Sure. Because you do three minutes. It takes three minutes to even think of what I'm, uh, what, what I'm about. Mm-hmm. Where a guy can come out with the sock pup and go,
2: and you know, and he wins.
1: So he goes, well, "I guarantee you'll be in the top five. And I said, "Well, John, call me back when I win." <laughs> and so he didn't talk to me for two right. years, but that said to me all I needed to know about the competition. Yeah. So to me, it's in the eye of you know uh, of the you know it's very. Uh, it's like comedy is very personal, to, even to the audience member. So how do you put a number on it? I mean, mm-hmm. I understand if you're famous, or you're at a certain level, you get this much money, you can ask for this much money. But to be told there's going to be a standard yeah. made no sense to me. Even if it, let's say you got twenty five thousand a week, well, what if I feel I'm worth fifty? Right. You tell me now I can't get. You know what I mean?
0: Did they did those Did they have a basis for like they, they were going to the owner saying?
1: They didn't know, uh, you know. They, they Here is what organized? they finally settled on: during the week was twenty five dollars. Uh-huh. Weekend was fifty. Uh-huh. Main room, you split the door with her. Right. So in the heyday of comedy, fifteen minutes set in the main room was anywhere from five to eight hundred bucks. Right. Because they were packing them in. Sure. So you can make a 1, thousand, fifteen hundred, never leaving town. Mm-hmm. And she had her favorites. Sure, of course. So some of did better than others, mm-hmm. but uh, no other club did that. Like I said, the improv stayed at 17 bucks or some crap. And the sad part
0: of that is the pay hasn't gone up.
1: <laughs> well, no. And in the beginning, you know, yes, I think there should be now because of gas and mm-hmm. people have to eat. But the idea of becoming a comic is you don't make a living till you are a comic. Yes. And I thought that was school. Mm-hmm. At least it was. I'm part of that system. I came up from the minors. Uh,. So you started at Westwood, worked your way to Sunset, worked your way to the main room, then worked your way to her place in Vegas. Mm -hmm. So there was a method to the madness, sure. And I thought that was school. Mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't. I went to college for a semester. So to me, I didn't get paid to go to college. Why should I get paid to go to the comedy store? But you know, now I can see it. Mm -hmm. But no, it, it hasn't gone up. Some you know make prices, change them. Um. And again, because you don't have the organization you had yeah. back then, because yeah. it was a small group of people, even though it might have been a thousand of us. Where now, you know, it's ten thousand. But you're never going to organize them. Oh no, it would be
0: virtually impossible. And how do you prove they're a comic? I was just going to say, how can you organize somebody who every time you say I'm a comedian, and they say, so is my dentist? Uh, you know, I see a
1: thousand guys every other week that I go, oh, jeez, about four years they're going to shoot themselves. Yeah, you know, I hope their dad owns something. Yeah, hope they're a trust fund. <laughs> And it's literally starting to happen. Oh, yeah? Even guys from my day. Yeah? Yeah, you stay on the road too long. There's no more road. Yeah. So you go from making a dollars dollars a year to nothing. Mm. You have no TV exposure anymore. You're getting older, uh, which is funny because now I do shows and they go, the legendary. And I go, listen, if I was a legend, I'd be the first to tell you. <laughs> That's just code for here comes another old guy. <laughs> but uh, out of my peers, you know, there's still... Some that are very funny, but I'm still relevant because mm-hmm. uh, I don't try to make a statement. I just try to entertain. Yeah, that never goes out of fashion. Yeah. So. Did you take a break from stand-up at all? When 14 you were? years. <laughs> <laughs> my mistake. I should have uh, stayed with it. Dude, I took
0: five off, and I felt it was a mistake, too.
1: Well, it was only a mistake because it's hard for me to restart. I'm sure. still doing that now, and I've been doing it seven years now. Yeah. But my intention was just to do the Laugh Factory, not go make a living. Mm-hmm. And I remember... Uh, like I said, I'm, I I make things up. So I was just a little rusty. Yeah, And I think this first or second time I did it, Richard Jenny came up to me and said, are you back to doing this? Well, yeah. He goes, how long have you been doing it? I go, it's like the second time. He goes, no. And it was like, no. He was surprised that it went well. Sure. But at the same time, he had this look on his face like, what the fuck? Right. And uh, we saw him about four days later, and he came up to me again. And I said, I just can't believe that... You, you just picked it right up. Right, right. I go, listen, I'm a little slow. And uh, he walked away. My wife goes, he's going to kill himself. And he did the next day. Really? Yeah. How did she pick up on that? Well, we thought he was on Vicodins or something. Uh-huh. But you know, my wife was a depressed person, so she okay. could spot him. So they can eke them out? Yeah. Like white guys with Afros? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow, we've mentioned a lot of dead people today. <laughs> so when I wanted to work, I just called uh, uh, Jamie up, and he said, mm. anything you want. Because by then Mitzi started to lose her mind, and mm-hmm. uh, I happen to know who it is, and I'll say his name, Barry Diamond, had been feeding her crap for years that I was coming to steal the stores from her. Oh, really? Yeah. So I stopped. Uh, she she wouldn't work me.
0: Barry had her ear for a long time.
1: Up until uh, last, uh, I got a call ten months ago. Hey, Alan, did you try to take the stores? Mm-hmm. I guess I did La Jolla when she walked away from it, and I gave it back to her, and I made an excellent deal from her mm-hmm. for her. And then two years later, Eve was doing a true Hollywood story, and I called him up, and I knew who the guy was. I said, uh, hate story or love story? He goes, what would you like? Mm-hmm. I go, a love letter. So it was just mostly me and Argus. Mm-hmm. And it was a two-hour special, and she showed it out front on the loops. So all the young guys knew who I was, and before I know it, I'm not getting spots. And I knew Barry Diamond was behind it, but by uh-huh. then I'm doing TV and didn't care. Right. But as of 10 months ago, they threw him out of the store, and he said, I'm the guy who saved the stores. I'm the one who said Alan's coming for him. He's just a pathetic individual.
0: Oh, he got thrown out, And finally. I hope he's listening. <laughs> he got thrown out, finally? Yeah. Okay.
1: I always, uh, always remember him closing
0: with a song at the end of his uh, set in the yeah, main room. Same song he closed with in 70, <laughs>
1: 79. Um, so
0: how did you uh, get
1: hooked up with Roseanne? Uh, I was at the Comedy Works, and I'd go I mean, in Denver. early. Is that where she got started? Uh, well, she was at Denver, she uh, was Colorado. Denver Colorado she comic, really right? started like in I want to say like lesbian coffee shops. Okay, but she was there on an amateur night, and I'd go in early to hang. Mm-hmm. With The bartender was a friend of mine. Some of the guys and I saw her, and her closing joke was, "A lot of people say I'm not feminine. Well, they can suck my dick." <laughs> and I went, "Well, I, I got to have her on the show." Yeah. So I went over, and he goes, eh, we don't find her funny. She's a pain in the ass, and we don't think women are funny. Mm. And I go, well, here's the good news. I don't think you know how to run a club, so I think we're all even. She's on the show with me, or I'm leaving. And Louie Anderson and I, at the time, were the biggest things they had. Mm-hmm. I mean, they'd line up to see us. Their numbers, like if they did 12,000 at the bar, they did 17 with me. Mm-hmm. Because I used to do two hours, and after an hour... I'd have them do kamikazes for a buck. <laughs> so that last hour, who knows? Right, I right. was as drunk as the audience, and if they remembered, fine. Yeah. And uh, so I had the pull to do that, and then I took her on the road with me, and so did Louie, and then we brought her out here, and bam, bam, bam. Oh, nice. But well, I'm you know, just a huge fan of her show,
0: and a huge fan of hers, and I even like what she's doing on Last Comic Standing, even though I'm still not a big fan of that show, even though I think my friend won it.
1: <laughs> well, how are you supposed to be a pro... And then get notes. That seems a little ridiculous. Secondly,
0: oh, hold on before you go to your second. Yeah, how are you a pro? And then get notes
1: from somebody who's not even doing it as long as you.
0: Yeah, from Comedy Central's new darling girl. Like how like, she's up for an Emmy, by the way. Hers. Yeah, I know. I, know. I was going to say names, and I like her. She's a nice person, but I found, uh, it, but I, found I found it odd. I'm that with she you all giving, the way. I found it odd she was given Schubert notes. That's what I found odd.
1: I can go either way with that. One. <laughs> okay. I just found it again. But and, I, again know, and then if you can't do a sketch, now some guys are so locked into their character, they mm-hmm. can't sure. do it as your character. But even that, and then do a roast, then do it. They have no show. Mm-hmm. I think at one point they wanted to do it like in a house. Yeah, yeah. So they have no show, and to me, yeah, some of the comics will get more money. Mm-hmm. If it's who I want, it, it thinks it, it is, I don't see him getting a development show that stays. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong, right? but he'll make a lot of money on the road.
0: Sure. I think, I'm going to say this, I have not talked to him. I don't know for a fact, but I think my friend won it. it. Uh, is your friend Jimmy Schubert? No. I mean, I'm friends with Jimmy Schubert. I heard it's him. Did you? Yeah. I All heard right. he gets voted back on. Oh, you know what? Nothing would make me happier. Oh. I'm just all right. I can't again. Nobody said anything to me, so don't fucking. If, well, you're, I'm just if you're telling a,
1: you what my drums say,
0: right, right. If, you're, if you work but on you the know, show, who knows no, what no, comes nobody comes out of my
1: jungle. You know, know what I mean?
0: I, but I got to say this because I know a lot of people on the staff, and I know a lot of people on other com- comedians. Nobody has said anything to me. It's all my
1: speculation. So. Well, nobody said anything to me. That's a comedian including any of the judges Mm -hmm. let's make that clear because i do know roseanne she's never said a word to me except boy i'd really like to say how i feel (laughs) uh which i thought was cute but um listen no matter who wins yeah how long do you think a show is going to stay on some of these guys don't even have a point of view right so they'll go you know like I said, they'll become millionaires uh, mm. in the club circuit. Yeah. I think they're giving them five grand a week just to tour. Mm-hmm. So, um, you yeah, know, it's good exposure. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't believe in competitions. Yeah, that's what I was going back to. I don't believe in competitions. Because there yeah. are some people that shouldn't have even been on that show. To even say they're doing it a long time is not true. Mm-hmm. Some are doing it five, six years. Yeah. And then some are doing it so long. I don't even know why they did it to themselves, but I do know it'll take, they'll get more money in the clubs, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't have subjected myself to that. Sure. You know, if Rocky Laporte doesn't win, where do you go? Yeah. Where do you go? But I find in a lot of these competitions, it's never the winner. Robin Williams lost a comedy competition. He came in third. Mm -hmm. He's the star. (laughs) I think, I remember Denny Johnston. Did you know him? I, he was before my time. I think but Denny I the won the first San Francisco comedy thing. Yeah. And here's was his acceptance speech. This is all nice, but I want to be a musician. <laughs> <laughs> they got so mad at him. <laughs> but again, I don't believe in competitions of any kind, especially one that I think cross is cross mm-hmm. purposes. Bring in the pros. Yeah. And let them go against each other. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. You do, uh, what are they? They're trying to dismiss them real quick. Mm-hmm. So what I would have done is you know maybe six a show each one does 15 minutes you'll know who's funny yeah yeah and uh, to me like i said the sock puppet's funny for five minutes <laughs> let's see you know i used to say you want to do a comedy competition let's do an hour and count the people that leave oh yeah you know that's, what I mean? that's a, yeah i like that but to do what they're doing is just horse crap
0: yeah just horse crap
1: you also ep'd one
0: of the most, and I'm pr- pretty sure it was EP. One of the most original specials I think I've ever seen. I co-created that, Have you you, and you co-created about the history one. Yeah, with Robert Wool. Yeah, and I thought that we, I would. I looked, and you did two or two.
1: I did one. Oh, you did one and after 27 on. years with Robert Wool. I'd had enough, and if you put them together, you can clearly see I wasn't there. Okay, <laughs> I am uh, Larry David. Right, right, for him.
0: Right. Yeah, that first one was. Was, I thought it was such a great.
1: Well, he was, uh, uh, we had offices HBO paid for. They were his. Mm-hmm. And he had a history show that failed 25 years earlier. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I'm going to show him that. And I go, why would you show something that didn't work? Well, he never listens to me. And then his manager said, why would you show something that didn't work? Right. You want new and fresh. I said, do you want to do history? So while he was away on vacation, I, I don't know what possessed me. I looked up where the finger started. Given the finger. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I looked up words like shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I started to look up history and I realized most of what we learned is incorrect. You know, Washington Crossing and that famous painting? Mm-hmm. There's too many stars on the flag. Right. So there's a lot of that stuff. Uh, the word shit, they used to ship uh, fertilizer. And when it would get wet, it did something that caused it to explode or somehow mm-hmm. it turned it. Well, shipment ship higher in transit. Oh. It wasn't called shit at the time. Right, right. So I just found it fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And what I didn't think would happen is that it would work in a nightclub. Mm -hmm. Because he wanted to go to a nightclub, and I go, oh, this is designed for colleges. Yeah. And it worked. And then HBO goes, we don't get it. So we did the Aspen Comedy Festival, and... We were the hit of the festival. Nice. So then they put it on, and it was supposed to be a ten-minute trailer. Mm-hmm. And this is—I let Robert do this. Pay me for ten minutes' worth of work when I should have been paid three times as much because he turned it into a half hour mm-hmm. without me knowing. He turned it in, and they said, "Okay, we'll put it on." And it did really, really well. And then we were in the middle of the second one, and he said something I didn't care, and I said, "All right, goodbye. I'm out." Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you worked with on our list for how many years? The full seven. Yeah. Here's what happened with that. Oh. He, he created that show. Mm-hmm. And uh, very egotistical man. Robert Wallace? Yes. And uh, so a lot of times I just had to play dumb. Mm-hmm. But I liked him, so I would do that. And we went to a Bob Costas roast, and I wrote Robert's stuff. Well, he killed. Mm-hmm. And Costas came up. He goes, I had eight Jewish writers, because he was being made uh, Man of the Year by B'nai B'rith. I guess they ran out of Jews. <laughs> And he said, I had Belzer, I had Riser, I Mm -hmm. had... uh, And Robert said, I just need Alan. So they were thinking of him taking over Letterman at the time. Who, Uh, No. No, Costas. uh, Costas. Costas said, oh, you're coming with me, my head writer. So on the way home, I said to Robert, he had, they gave him five episodes of Mm Arliss, just scripts. And I think four of them they hated. There was one left. So I said to Robert... I would like to do it kind of based on what just happened and something else. I can't be any worse than the other writers. Right. This is Robert's encouraging words. Yes, you can. <laughs> I don't even know if you can spell your name. Long story short. After you, I,
0: just, you just killed with all your jokes, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Long story short. Well, uh, he has no writers. <laughs> okay. He's one of those guys. Sure. Uh, uh, long story short, mine becomes the pilot. Mm-hmm. And uh, unbeknownst, because I was naive and didn't know what was going on, he called me up and said, do you mind taking your name off of it so I can get full credit? And he did create it. He said, I'll give you a job. And I went, fine. Mm-hmm. Well, not knowing that cost me millions. Yeah. Which he never even offered me a taste of. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I went on the show, and I was treated like his red-headed step, uh, ch- stepchild. Hmm. And he never stood in. But of course, I couldn't be fired. Right. And everybody hated me because he go, what's Alan think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, I know there was one producer in particular that just hated my guts. Mm-hmm. He'd come and he'd start yelling at the writers, and they go, turn around and get your face the fuck out of here. And then he wants to hear your baby shit. Mm-hmm. So he, he didn't like me, right. but uh, I'm very quick, not just on stage but in a room. Mm-hmm. So the other writers, straight writers, it makes them very uncomfortable, and then I they think I'm an idiot because it just pours out easy. So, you know, like I'd be sitting at the table and that Kirby was the sidekick, Mm-hmm. Stanley was the accountant for the firm And he says oh, yeah, We're short, we need something for Stanley and Kirby And they're all staring goes, Kirby gets a new car parked next to Stanley And Stanley hits it Or vice versa
2: mm-hmm.
1: Robbie goes, okay uh, I didn't know anything about sports, by the way I could give right. a shit about sports oh, Okay, interesting, really I well, didn't need to know a story All right uh, they could plug in the sports crap. I didn't even know who was an actor who was a sports guy, unless they were really huge, and I could care less.
0: Yeah, you and I come from
1: the same cloth. Yeah. It's, 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 just, it's like going to a strip club watching baseball to me. Something I can't do. No, I'm not going to have. You know right. what I mean? So, um... Uh, we were like I would do things like he goes we, we need a script he threw it whatever script it was out and mm-hmm. I did Roseanne at the same time so on the
0: weekends oh that's right yeah, I wanted to point that out you were yeah. doing
1: Roseanne and Arliss so on the weekends I would rewrite so the writers didn't know me so mm-hmm. when I went there full time it's oh there's the ass that's been changing our work right and sometimes it was a page one rewrite <laughs> they, so if they got nominated they should be thankful I'm yeah, not sure. getting it. But uh, I would do things like, hey, I saw a Jimmy Stewart movie where he lost his leg. What if Arliss was upset with that, uh, obsessed with that guy and he, his leg goes up for auction? The writer's, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Well, Robert understands my humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do the show, and four months later, the leg goes up for sale in New York. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I was ahead of the naming rights. You know how that's on buildings and everything and arenas? Oh, uh, like the Verizon Wireless uh-huh.
0: Amphitheater and all that? Yeah,
1: I did an. E- we did an episode where uh, two lesbians decide they want uh, Robert's sperm for the baby. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, as long as I can name the baby. Well, one of those lesbians is famous. Mm-hmm. So the kid's going to be named Parliament or Marlboro. Right. And when he gets there to donate the sperm, they've decided the unfamous one, that's who the kid is going to use that last name so it won't grow up. Sure. In that famed spotlight. Well, he's not given sperm to, for no reason. <laughs> so we are ahead of the game on that. Right, right. Uh, a lot of that, shows thing. we were ahead of the game. And then there was one the last season where Robert removed the director because HBO, uh, almost every time I wrote something, HBO had something to say about it, oh, which really? is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Because they left us alone. Mm-hmm. But they you could tell my <laughs> handprint. <laughs> So I, I had, uh, somebody had said, uh, and this is where the writers didn't like me either, we're at Robert's house tossing stories, and go. somebody goes, Kirby dates uh, a wrestler. And I go, well, how's that different than a boxer? He's going to get beat up. Yeah. And right away, because I shoot him down, I hate my cuts. But I'm staring in the air like this, and Robert knows, what the wheels are turning. He goes, what are you thinking, Alan? I go, I read a story the other day where a guy got raped. And of course, the other writers are laughing. And I go, nonetheless, it's the second one I read about a man getting raped. What if we do when does no mean no? And it's a bodybuilder. She fucks Kirby in the ass. (laughs) And they're appalled. And Robert goes, Great. Yeah. Well, along with that, when I went to write it, I mixed it with a story of Argus being uh, Argus, Arliss being a bedwetter Mm -hmm. and his camp counselor embarrassing him. And he's telling it to a football player who says uh, uh, the guy who abused him died and he's never going to get closure. And he says, relax, I was abused. They hung up my sheets that I peed on. So that player goes and finds Uncle Artie, the camp counselor. All right. And when Argus goes to him, he says, uh, I suppose you want an apology. He goes, for what? He goes, well, isn't that how you found me? I'm a registered sex offender. He goes, what's that have to do with me? He goes, you always were a light sleeper. <laughs> so, I never say pedophile. Sure. However, we offered it to Ernest Borgnine, and his words were, I am not going to do my last thing in life as a, and be a pedophile. All right. So, we got Seymour Casales. It was brilliant. I've met Seymour before. Is he still
0: around? I'm not
1: sure. Okay. He's I'd one like of the f- to hope so. He's one of the
0: first quote unquote celebrities uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: in that circle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was great. And they were just concerned like, how do you get all that in 28 right. minutes or whatever it was? But it worked, and it was probably, I think, either the highest-rated Arliss, but certainly the funniest. That's
0: awesome. I have to point out, you've uh, uh, subconsciously or consciously referred to Arliss as Argus several times in that story. Do you have, Oh, Argus
1: you, is a friend of mine. Do you have,
0: I was going to say, do you have uh, And that's the only Argus time Hamilton. I ever heard Arliss and Argus. <laughs> okay, I thought maybe you and Argus Hamilton. This Argus is a very dear oh, friend. Oh, he's a good friend of yours? Okay, I didn't uh, know if he you had this. He is to the st- man I put in Betty Ford. Oh, all right. We can... He's got no shame behind that. No, he'll tell you uh, I did
1: it. Okay. And he's very proud to be sober, and I'm very proud he is sober.
0: That explains the nicely dressed suit, and the. because uh, every time I've seen him on the stage, he's a sharp-dressed man. Oh, well, that's awesome. Only guy can wear white not get a spot on. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand. I put on a white shirt. It looks like I slept in it.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to remember, when I started, my particular group was Ollie Joe.
0: Mm-hmm. A couple Ollie guys Joe Prater, fallen, yeah, right?
1: that formed fallen by the wayside that I can't remember. Mitchell Walters. Ollie Joe died, right, of a heart attack? Ollie Joe died of obesity. Oh, okay. I remember. Was he the gentleman? They just drained fluid out of him one day, and he lost eighty or ninety pounds. Really? Yeah.
0: Was he the gentleman who? In our, he was before my time, but there's pictures of him at the store, and
1: I. He looks just like Yosemite Sam, cowboy hat and a beard. He'd go up with a bottle of Jack, Uh, a bottle of beer, and he'd open it with his teeth, guzzle it, slam it down on a stool, and go. That there is all I learned in college. Okay. But not only did he look like Yosemite Sam, he was as tall as Yosemite Sam. Oh, was he a short dude? He was fat. Yeah. He was it's not that he was short. I just didn't know where, what happened after the knee. It, okay. it looked like knee boot. Right, right. He was a large. So large it guy. literally looked like Yosemite Sam. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Mike Binder. Sure. Uh, oh, you were talking about Mike the other night. Yeah. He, he, actually, he was part of
0: the group. He actually picked me up. When I first got to town, I was working in a restaurant in Westwood and I lived in Hollywood and I had to take the bus because my car I drove out here died and I used to thumb it. And he picked me up one day and I, of course I knew who he was and I was getting to understand He was a really nice guy. I wonder if he, I doubt he would remember that, but he drove me, he drove me from literally from Brentwood to Hollywood to the, like the Los Feliz area and we just talked comedy the whole time.
1: Well, somebody had a good story about Mike. That's I was wondering where that was going. <laughs>
0: Don't think I don't set these up. Well, <laughs> oh,
1: I will say what's interesting about him is I lived in the same building as him. He was roommates with Dave Coulier, and all the scripts of his early movies he would talk about. Yeah, he made them. He talked about them. He wrote them and he made them. Mm-hmm. You got to give him that. Oh yeah, for sure.
0: Um, well, this wouldn't be uh, the Road Stories podcast without going out on a road story, which you've told several great ones.
1: Well, I can give you a. Well, I don't think I told this one. Okay, Maybe I did. Sam was afraid of authority. So we're driving out of Arizona. And it's just like when you drive out of Vegas to here, they stop you for plants, fruits, and vegetables. Sure. So Sam's going crazy. Hide the blow! Hide the blow! (laughs) It's fruits and vegetables. So we're in San Diego and we're up two days. Now we have to drive back. And you know there's the check for Mexicans. Mm -hmm. I am from Jersey. And found Jersey peaches somewhere the size of a grapefruit. Sure. I have three on the dash in a bag, and one's dripping down my hand as I'm driving with one hand, and the guys are doing blow off a CD cover. And Sam looks up and goes, Are you nuts? throws my peaches out the window and yells, Fruits, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> and I pull over to the side of the road and I go, Listen, I'll do peach time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said, get out and get the peaches. They're looking for Mexicans this time. Well they can see us. I go, I'll go to jail for peaches. <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how do you like how do you like it now? Is there a comparison between when you started and now you're doing it
1: again? Do, do, yeah. Do you,
0: do you miss the old days? Are you loving the new life? Yeah. The, uh, in the old days,
1: every night a club was packed. Yeah. Packed. I mean, the, the comedy store had lines. We would go to four in the morning, right. and there wouldn't be an empty chair. And lines, that's how it was Lines in clubs. more than one way. Yeah and, yeah, and that's how clubs became around the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, every celebrity. You know, one night I say to a guy with a red hat, hey, Santa, you know, I can't see his face, Billy yeah. Idol. Right. Another night, uh, Robin comes up to me and he goes, hey, Stephen Stills wants to come up to the house. And I go, who? Right. He goes, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I go, I'm a Doors guy. Yeah, yeah. But... That's a great story. If you want to hear it, that's a fantastic story. Uh, let's hear it. All right. Robin has Mork. It's Dave Tyree and myself. And Dave he says, Tyree, uh, old writer for uh, prior, right? Yeah, and Roseanne. He and, was okay, oh, he no, went that's for... Mooney, think, oh, that's Mooney. Oh, Mooney. I'm thinking of Mooney, right? Uh, but he was a comic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, still says he, he lived off of Moholland. He says, "Just go in the house. It's open. I'm going to stop and get liquor. Just tell my mom it's cool." This Robin. This is Stephen Stills. Oh, Stephen Stills, okay. So Robin is sitting on a couch, and so am I, and his mom comes out of the bedroom and walks by us. There's a doorway into the kitchen. She's got an empty beer. He hear her open the refrigerator, pop one, mm-hmm. back up and go, M- Mark? <laughs> and she runs to her room. Mm-hmm. So Stephen comes in. He might want to tell your mom, aliens aren't here. Right. And he goes, oh, she, she drinks a little bit, obviously. So the party starts, and we're in full swing. And he's playing jazz like you can't believe. go, like, who is that? He goes, me. Nobody wants to hear it. Unbelievable uh, Recorded? Yeah. Jazz? Oh, Unbelievable he's, a pho- he's a phenomenal stuff. guitar player. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. But at some point, and this is one of the reasons I stopped partying, because this is what became an argument every time, in my case. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's another guy in the knoll. I know there was a guy in the grassy knoll. <laughs> well... I don't know if it was Robin or David One of them left mm-hmm. And uh, I have a very strong mind It takes a lot to get to me And about the fourth time he said it I go, you're Stephen Stills, call the White House Right Well, he did Really? Yeah And that's when I turned to either Robin or David And said, we we got to go before the helicopters Yeah, yeah But around the third time he tried to get the president on the phone I said, we we got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Right
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, did you ever uh party with the remaining members and Rayman's Eric or
1: uh here's how I met Robbie Ray Krieger Roseanne or- had a talk show and before it went up I was in Cantors mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there and I've never done this. Rayman's Eric. Yeah, and I just went over and I go, I idolize you. Would you do a talk show? Yeah. Can I sit here? Yeah. <laughs> and he was a lovely, lovely, lovely man. Awesome. But uh, to me, there was no other band. You, yeah. know, was, you know, the Beatles, uh, uh, the Doors were it for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've learned to appreciate Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And later on, I, in fact, I opened for them uh, the first gig when Crosby's out of jail, which is another great story.
0: Oh, after he got out of jail for drugs. Yeah, it's his first 87? gig.
1: 87? Somewhere in there. Yeah, but it's yeah. for handicapped Vietnam vets okay. in Kansas. And we flew there, and I think one of the engines started to go because I didn't fly back with them. Oh, I really? have a thing. Like, when I used to work Tahoe, I got on one day, in the Temptations, I got off the plane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hate flying. Why, why increase the odds? If the band good is going down. Yeah. It's just a question of when. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, there was a few comics and a few bands, and John Fogarty's band was making a lot of noise behind the comics. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the dressing room, and David comes and He goes, who are you? Well, I know the keyboard player really well at this point. And I tell him, he goes, get the fuck out of here, you piece of shit. Who says this? David Cross. He's a lovely man. So now I go over to the, I guess, what turned out to be the head roadie for John Fogarty. And I go, listen, you got to tone it down a little bit and have a little respect. He goes, fuck you. I go, fuck you, fuck you. And there's a loud, you know, fuck you, fuck you, fuck Mm -hmm. you, you know, guy shit. And, uh... I don't know. We split apart, and I forget what happened. But it's so loud. David Crosby's opened the door, and he goes, "Psst!" I walk over, and he goes, "You know who that guy is? He used to work for us." I go, "No." He goes, "He'll kill you with one finger." What are you out of your mind? I go, "I don't give a shit who the fuck he is." He goes, "I'm starting to like you," <laughs> and it's just like West Side Story. Yeah, it's Crosby, Stills, Nash, their keyboard player, me, couple of their roadies, <laughs> walking towards Fogerty and his guys coming at us. <laughs> And uh I, we didn't come to blows, but right. we came close and after that Dave was like, you you heard it. Come into the dressing room. Yeah. You know who he was bad. He went he was get right in his face, telling him I'm telling you, he can kill you by sneezing. <laughs> so uh, uh uh and it was nice. I'm standing next to a cop and he goes, Nobody has a voice like him. I go, I went and stop putting him in jail. <laughs>
0: So, uh, what's next, Alan Steeman? Where where can we catch you? What can can we do?
1: Well, Mm -hmm. if you're on your way to Vegas and want to stop at Prim, I'll be at uh, the Prim Valley Casino this month, I think, 18th and 19th.
0: Is that a bonkers room? I'm trying to think. Yeah. It is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like Joe. Yeah, it's a good. They got a bunch of clubs in the uh, Vegas area.
1: Yeah, Joe, I headline all of them just for Joe, and I do special one-nighters for him Mm -hmm. uh, for the casino.
0: And Prim uh, is now up there, it's not the stop before you get to Vegas place it used to be. It's actually, it's come
1: up. To no, that's the, where the thermometer, thermometer is on the way in in Baker. They redid the thermometer.
0: Oh, did they really? Because I just did the improv a couple months ago, and I was looking for the thermometer. Well, I used to and I go, damn. and
1: there was like the Great Greek, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. And then Bob's Big Boy or whatever the their ripoff was. The Mad- Bob's Bun Boy or something. Isn't it the Mad Greek? Yeah. Because that's what I call my wife. And that's all, that's all that was there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Now there's every fast food thing you sure. can think of, and they just redid the thermometer. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing a lot of Vegas stuff. You did Vegas in the 70s, though, didn't you? I did Vegas in the 80s. While the mob was still running it? uh, When the comedy store, oh, yeah, I love them. I was going to say They were the best. It's all corporate bullshit, and I hate it now. Yeah, me too. But they were the best. And uh, uh, when we were the outlaws at the Dunes, we broke Sinatra's record set in 58, because my father was a gambler, and I would go to Vegas with him as a kid and Uh see everybody, why he gambled. And I remember... The big stars did a two-in-the-morning show for the help that had to work. right? So I said to Sam, let's do a two-in-the-morning show, not realizing that brings us like to 38 in two weeks or some yeah, stupid yeah. thing. But that show would go off 3, 3.30 in the morning, and Paul Anka, Jane fricky uh, Charlie Pride, all the stars of the strip back when you had stars on the strip, right. not the circus whatever's. Everybody saw that show. You couldn't get into it. Awesome. And that's when we broke Sinatra's record. That, I would lead every podcast with that story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as an, come on, as an Italian from Jersey, I, you know, I, 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 got, I, got, I have to respect Frank. You
1: know? Listen, uh, beyond a favorite, and I was very uh, honored. We went to see one of his shows, mm-hmm. and he had to stand up and he introduced us. Wow, that's impressive. Uh, early on, before they trusted us, I think in Atlantic City, the first show was the Smothers Brothers. The Mm -hmm. second show is us. Mm -hmm. And we went to see them in Vegas. And, you know, they're clean as clean can be. Oh, yeah. Tommy looks at his brother and goes, fuck you. And you can hear a pin drop at their audience. He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, those guys do it every night and kill. And he points (laughs) right to us. And at one point, a critic said we were the new Rat Pack of Vegas. Oh, wow! We were on every magazine. We mm-hmm. were in every newspaper. You could not get into one of our shows in Las Vegas at the when we first started. Oh, that's great! And we change them up. First, it went just to four of us. Mm-hmm. Then three. We take a break. Sam come out and play piano, mm-hmm. and Carl would pretend to be Liberace backstage, talking mm-hmm. to him from heaven. <laughs> and nobody did this, by the way. Nobody cursed. We were the first to curse in Vegas.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yep. Oh, and, I didn't know that. Was, uh, that
0: a, was that a standard?
1: Like that was, you just don't curse in <laughs> Vegas? Is that... Oh, really? Oh, like... Ooh. I didn't know Different that. Different time. Different time. God, you got to love the mob. And, uh, uh, well, you know, times are changing. They had nothing to do with what we did. And uh, so that was shocking to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sam's brother had died. Mm-hmm. And Carl would go backstage while Sam was playing the piano, and he had a candle hopper on it. And he, here's Sam... Sam, goes, oh, who is that, who is that? It's me, Lee Liberace, I'm up here in heaven. Oh, what are you doing? I'm, I'm with your brother. And he, you better leave him alone, you big fag, you better leave him alone. Yeah. People were horrified, but that's how we closed uh, the show. So. <laughs> and then it went to three of us, a break, and mm-hmm. the band. And the first time we played, all we had was Wild Thing. Right. And we, I think we were in a theater in the round in Arizona. And the guy said, they're tearing the chairs out. You know another song? And we all looked at each other and went, well, 20 minutes of Peter Gunn. <laughs> and then we decided to get a real musician to travel with us. Right. So we had a, a, a fellow that played with Madonna and mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez. I wish I could remember his name. He's a really nice guy. Oh, cool. And then we got Leslie West from Mountain. Hello. Yes, I know Leslie West. And I would torment him. Oh, really? Yes, because he was a Jew. How many Jew rockers do you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, like he'd be pulling his hair, what was left of it, and spray it with pink. He goes, you need some of this. I go, in lieu of talent, <laughs> and then I, I'd say things to him. like I tap him on the shoulder, and I go, listen, Woodstock called. They'd like you to move your car. <laughs> or he'd leave the room, and he'd go, I'm going to make a call. I go, all your friends are dead. Who are you calling? <laughs> so, but Ginger Baker. Nice. uh." We did New Year's. I don't remember That's been if, awesome it, for you. if it was Being a drummer. two time zones or three time zones in one night. We had our own jet. When I said our own jet, a big one. Really? Not the Little ears. And we flew all our friends and stuff, I think. I forget where we went. We started at Universal, wound up in Vegas, and that show went off at four in the morning.
0: So you did... A, time, a, a show in each time zone one New Year's Eve yeah. for the midnight show. Yeah. That's pretty impressive, man.
1: Yeah. That's, well, uh, shit, the, the one in Vegas didn't start until 4 in the morning. Right, well, still. but uh, That
0: shit's all over Phil Collins from doing uh, Genesis in England and then flying over to yeah. New
1: York for Live Aid. Well, Fuck you, Phil. At, at the one at Universal, I forget. I think uh, maybe CC, maybe a couple guys from uh, uh, Tommy Lee's band. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the name right now. Motley Crue. And Ginger Baker has on, you know, a party hat. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure he knows where he is. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think he's high. I just think, you know, fried. Yeah, yeah. And he comes over. He goes, uh, you the drummer? I go, yeah. He goes, how's this song go? I go, it's the Trogs Wild thing. Now, you're talking to the most complicated drummer right. I've ever heard. And he wants to know. Is, it, 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 keep a beat and you're yeah. doing a song. Yeah. He says, well, I'll follow you. Well, my feet never hit the ground the rest of the night. Oh, I bet. And then, of course, Leslie West goes, yeah, I'm turning your drums off anyway. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it was amazing who would join us. Yeah. Now, here's how Wild Thing comes about. We're in a strip club in Vegas. And Sam and I are at one end. And at the other end is all the girls dancing for Billy Idol to White Wedding. Oh. And Sam turns to me and goes, I think we need a song. And I wish I could say it was more creative than that. Right. And then Leslie West said, do Wild Thing. And then as luck would have it, he was tapping uh, the girl who brought down the church, Jessica Hahn.
0: Oh, right. Jessica Hahn. So
1: she became Wild Thing in the video. Oh, and the right. video was supposed to be something totally different. Oh, really? Yeah. The director was making it a little more religious, and Sam didn't want to go there. So She mm-hmm. said, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. So at the last minute, there was a boxing ring there. He called his management, and they sent down all the rockers. Right. And uh, at one point, I thought they were going to rape Jessica Hahn. Oh, really? were groping her, and she's screaming, so we had to pull them off. Slash, there's a shot of Slash in the trash can playing. Well, we didn't put them there. (laughs) You know, it was just that kind of... uh, And it just hit at the right time, because you had Bon Jovi and Rodney opening the thing.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah. I'll have to post that video on the Facebook page.
1: And then we toured like a rock band. Two trucks, Mm -hmm. two buses. And uh, cars full of girls following us state to state. Nice. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. It's a good job if you can get it. Oh, I, sometimes I check into a hotel and I have to get three rooms. Often I'd open a closet and there'd be somebody in there. Really? Yeah. Wasn't not complaining. I was
0: going to say, <laughs> but I'm sure there's
1: a lot of women across this country that have a horrible story.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, as I always say, anybody who's been mentioned on this podcast, you're more than welcome <laughs> to come back and uh, say your side to it. That that goes out to women in closets, <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Alan Steven, uh first of all, thank you for coming on the show. Well, I really thank you. It was it. nice
1: meeting you and working with you. It the other was night, nice too.
0: meeting you and working with you, and it was really fun to watch you on stage. You know, you're um. I've always said this about an audience. An audience can tell when they're in good hands, and you can just feel it in the tone. Well,
1: I I enjoy doing it. You you know, you mentioned the Rita Rudner special. and I'm not friend friends with David Gee, but I really like him. Mm -hmm. And uh, he goes, what are you going to do? I go, what I always do, make it up. Mm -hmm. He goes, how do you do that for TV? And literally, when I came off stage, he's in a cold sweat. He goes, I don't know how you do what you do. I just don't know how you do that, because I... I have no idea where it's going. Mm-hmm. So if you notice I duck on a stupid joke on that. <laughs> I think the guy said, How long are you married uh, you married? No, how long are you together? Uh, twenty years. Make make a decision, Sparky. Yeah. Okay, good night. I <laughs> wasn't no waiting for the next try. Right. But uh, I yeah. That's the reason I didn't do a lot of T V early on in my career because they go, How do we know when you're done? I go, I say goodnight. Tell yeah. me give me the two minute warning. I'll know when to get off.
0: So, yeah, I don't know if they were like that now, but now they just pick apart
1: every line and every word. Oh, they used to, uh, one more story. Sure. Please. Okay. Uh, I'm at Sam's one night. He says, yeah, I, it was at Carson today. I said, for what? Well, they wanted to see my set. I said, you're doing Carson. And what had happened? We were at Elvis's Graceland mm-hmm. and he recorded, you know, you can sing a song without Elvis. Yeah. And he did, are you lonesome tonight in the middle? Yeah, of course I'm lonesome. You fucking whore. You fucking bitch. You know, good. And the tourists were running. Sure. Somehow Carson got a hold of it. So we're all partying, and I go, uh, he already did stand up. Why don't you do the song? So at nine in the morning, I go and get three tuxes for, for us. Right. With bow ties, what do they call those? Like uh, cowboy ties? Yeah, the cowboy ties. And I decide, or Bolo. we decide, we're going to be the young Jordanaires, mm-hmm. because the Jordanaires backed Elvis. Well, and all this zest nobody bothers to tell the guy who books the tonight show. So we go at four o'clock rehearse and we bought we're the backup singers, but we bought three or four real backup singers mm-hmm. and a guitar player. Sure. So there's an extra seven people they got to pay. <laughs> and we still haven't asked permission. It didn't even occur to us. <laughs> and the director thinks it's funny. And now we're in the dressing room and here's where I will give props to Sam. The guy comes in and says, you can't do this. He goes, well, then I'll go home. Cart your ass down to Johnny and tell him, fuck you. Right. He could have broke me, and he didn't. I need this shit. This is what I'm doing. Ooh. Well, while they're deciding that, Carl and I go down to makeup. What are the odds? Here comes Carson. Mm-hmm. And he sits down. And he goes, wow, I'm having another generation of the Jordan Airs <laughs> on. <laughs> and I look at Carl, and I go, yeah, our dads are pretty proud to be on the show. <laughs> and uh, whatever Johnny said, we said, yeah, that's our dads. Yeah. So he thinks we're the young Jordanaires. (laughs) Now, for that particular show, they usually have a flat curtain. Uh But in front of the flat curtain, they put a round one. Okay. Now, keep in mind, Carson thinks we're the Jordanaires. (laughs) (laughs) So we line up, and we got our heads down, you know, like the backup singers did in the 60s, you know, Mm -hmm. like the Temptations. And Carson's sitting there, and he looks up, and he sees real singers go into the soundproof booth. And he whispers to Ed McMahon, and he's pounding on the desk, and he's cry laughing. Oh, really? Well, he doesn't know what's coming. Right, right. But he knows he's been fucked. <laughs> and, and now Ed's laughing, and the audience is going, what the fuck's going on backstage? Well, the curtain opens, and you know, Sam was in the church, so he sang it pretty good. Yeah. And he cleaned it up. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, it was still funny. Sure. He sits down, and Carson says, you're on my anniversary show in four days. I think we were on that, that month five times. I'm still getting a check. And you know how they say he never hangs out? Yeah. After the show, I think he hung out for like two hours. I have pictures with all of us with him. He said, really? He said, funniest fucking thing. I have not had, been, had like that in a long time. Because everybody's afraid of him. Right, yeah. And the guys that booked the show, they do what they think he would want, which sure. they play it very safe. If you notice back, it, 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 they never had anybody come out like Sam. Right. It was always safe guys, safe guys. Well, that's not Johnny. Yeah. It's people think they're thinking for Johnny.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> Uh, and, uh, listen, we had a great time and broke every rule, asked no permission, and said, fuck you. That is so odd. Like, I literally. Oh,
0: by the way, yeah.
1: My mom said, you guys sang really good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Your mom, who was married to your dad in the Jordanaires. Yeah. 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 I I don't think I've seen that since it aired. And I'd forgotten about it until you, I don't even know if you can. Well, first
1: off, what guts for him? Because he's not really a singer. Sure. Uh, what guts of all of us to say, fuck you, to the, n- to the night show. Right. But in all honesty, I wish I could tell you it never occurred to us to ask permission. Yeah. But n- when we were together, it never occurred to ask permission for anything.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Well, listen, man, um, this, this is the reason I started this sh- podcast, because I, I live for hearing these stories. Um, I, I'm a comedian and a writer, but I love the history
1: of comedy. And well, I Dave love- Tyree's been getting comics together at uh, Soli's. Mm-hmm. Van Ives. Oh yeah. Uh the first Monday of every month from the seventies, eighties. Mm-hmm. And the stories are just hysterical. Oh I'm gonna have, to, I'm gonna
0: have to invite myself down
1: one time. Pl- you're more than welcome. Everybody's welcome. Oh, I'd love to. Uh you know, uh, Bruce Baby Man Bomb. Sure. Oh, Bruce is coming on the
0: show when his book comes out. I love
1: Bruce. Oh yeah. I love Bruce. By the way, get him to talk about being ripped off by Seinfeld. Oh
0: God. that's gonna be my first question. Do you know
1: about that? <laughs> no. Uh, the book where they write letters to... Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, letters s- from... Uh, yeah. They yeah. Were, Barry Marder. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Seinfeld came out and said him and the two behind it. Uh-uh. Oh, interesting. The other, their third partner was Bruce Baum. All right. So well, we'll get him to explain how he... In fact, he's got a YouTube video you can go to where he says, I have all the paperwork. I've been ripped <laughs> off. Okay. And Bruce is a very kind-hearted good man. He'll yeah. Have fun. He was in a Mike Binder movie.
0: I do. The only reason I say that... <laughs> The only reason I say that is because I was watching it with a friend in college and we were baked. What movie? I want to say it was Crossing the Bridge.
1: Oh, that's one of his,
0: yeah. Yeah, I yeah. want to say it was that. I'm not sure, but he's got got a quick cameo in it. And my buddy and I are like, was that Bruce Baum? And uh, so we stayed and we watched the credits at the We were watching on VCR. Oh, get
1: him to talk about Marnie Feldman Eyes, too. You know oh, that one? I will get him to talk about that, too. Yeah, that, but that the other, was a big hit. yeah.
0: But at the end of that movie, his credit is the guy who looks like Bruce Baum, played by Bruce <laughs> Baum. That's the only reason I remember that. So,
1: <laughs> Very funny. Very yeah. funny. Yeah, he's a good guy. You'll have fun.
0: Oh, awesome. Alan, uh, Thank you. I look forward to uh, seeing you around town and maybe do some more gigs with you. Sounds good. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, I usually uh, end the show with a bunch of plugs, but uh, this is such a good show, I'm not going to bother. So uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks again for listening. Boos, tacos, angry door strippers waving guns And these fights, candle flights, running with the runs Blacklists, bounce checks, great at Bachelorette <laughs> Drums in the front, making out for your set And middle acts, doing blow more, missing merch and Drive the rental car past another mega church. and Juice keys, vagina fits, your cell phone is gone One big law and order marathon